Recording from the heart of Providence, Rhode Island, you are listening to the Red Card Report podcast, a weekly show that provides coverage of all the major soccer leagues and stories from around the world. If you like the show, head over to iTunes, leave us a review, and even share the podcast with your friends. Also, don't forget to hit the follow or subscribe button on any of your favorite podcast apps so you get all the latest updates and never miss an episode. Thanks for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Red Card Report Podcast. We have a very good episode for you today that we've been looking forward to for two reasons. One, because Joe's not with us, so anyone listening out out there is is very lucky that he doesn't have to listen to his voice for the next hour. And two, because we have two special guests with us in uh, in the studio today. One, we brought back Evan Rosa who was with us a couple weeks back for our episode on Manchester United and PSG, their uh, their Champions League game. And our second guest, we have a good friend of Rui's, Eddie Baptista. How you doing, big guy? Doing very well. I'm feeling good to be here. Yeah. Very excited. It's been a long time coming. I know we've talked about it for quite a while now, so it's nice to finally have you in here and get you on mic. It only took Joe to get out of town to finally get me in here. I know. We've been kicking him out. We're trying to get him out. He's having a good time, though. He's in Austin. He's at a bachelor party. Oh, yeah. yeah, He's having a good time. We talked to him earlier. He was already half in the bag. (laughs) So, But the main topic that we wanted to talk about today is VAR, mainly because it's being implemented into the EPL next season. We wanted to review VAR thus thus far, um, its performance, a lot of the things that we like and dislike, and how it can be improved moving forward. However, before we get to VAR, there's actually one topic that I think cannot be ignored um, and that, that we absolutely need to talk about, and that is some of the, the racist incidents that have happened over the past weeks and really in, the, in this season in general mm-hmm. because there was uh, an, is- an incident not too long ago with Juventus striker, Moise Keane, yep. and... Not too long ago, I think it was in the first half of the season, there was also an incident with Koulibaly. Yeah, from, against Inter. From Napoli, against Inter. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, it's been an ongoing occurrence in Serie A, not just this year, not just this past week, not the beginning of the season. It's been going on for quite a while, um, for as long as I can remember. Um, yeah, it's it's just an ongoing problem. It's not being handled correctly. It's like, is it ever going to stop? And unfortunately for a guy like Moise Keane, who's got, who's only 19 years old, he is Italian. He wears that blue jersey for the national team, and he's most likely going to be representing them in the Euro. I'm sure this time they will qualify because their team is looking really, really good and very impressive, especially with him up top. It's just really sad to see, you know, um, and it, it has to stop. It just has to stop, and it's really unfortunate. We've seen the Koulibaly incident, Blaise Matuidi last year at Cagliari. We saw Bakayoko against Inter. You know, these these incidents are 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 still continuing, and unfortunately, it's not getting any better in Serie A, and they're not going about it the right way. Mm-hmm. Now, in the English League, I feel, yeah, these occurrences are always going to happen. I always feel that... That racism is just a human condition. 
there's nothing that that will ever make it go away but there is there are proper steps in trying to eliminating it or reducing actually it reducing to, it yeah not eliminating it because yeah. it won't go away um and i think the english league has just done it right they've always approached it to the right way they're trying to dish out fines and identifying identifying the fans that are responsible for these actions so eddie knowing that you're a big ac milan fan and most of the issues or it, it seems like most of the most of the issues that have happened this year have happened within Syria. What do you think that they are doing wrong? You know, to, compared to a league like the EPL, for example, who has made um, a lot of strides in terms of combating racism and stuff like that. Sure, I think I mean racism in football is always going to exist. Uh, now, I think the bigger issue is that there is very little understanding of what racism is or what it feels like. You know, on the other side. Uh, so obviously a lot of black players, they stand up and, you know, and, and unify and try to fight this whole thing. Uh, but in, in Italy specifically, now let's touch on Koulibaly. I think uh, they handled it pretty well for that time being. So it happened and there was a mass surgence of support, you know, for Koulibaly. A lot of people, you know, there was uh, the movement, con Koulibaly. And while that was great, I think that um, it, it also promoted some some intentional uh and, and accidental racism because people uh even in their 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 ways of support for Kulabali, they were still doing blackface and they were still, you know, trying to portray themselves in a black fashion where you're still disrespecting, you know, a black player in 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 means of support, but you don't know that you're actually contradicting yourself and still, you know, adding to the racist problem. So I think what needs to happen is clubs need to independently fight it on their own with their with their own fans if it exists, you know, uh, revoking, uh, you know, uh, memberships and and kicking people out of the curva and you know banning people from stadiums and really taking a stance and showing that they're standing with their black players because I don't think that enough teams do it. Uh, so it's just the league and uh, the league as a whole can't speak on behalf of all the teams in Italy, you know, Serie A, Serie B and so forth. You know, it has to happen at the club level uh, before it can take a more national level and then, you know, moving on to Europe and so forth. But I think the problem is always going to exist regardless of what you do. It's just trying to quell that and uh, really fight against it. And then eventually I think that we'll find that middle ground where there's no longer, you know, racist, uh, you know, racist... Um, Supporters. Racist supporters. Um, now, Evan, I know you're not like really all in tune with the with Serie A and everything. You're not really familiar. You're more of an EPL guy. Now, what are, what are your thoughts on everything that you're hearing about in, in Serie A? And we mentioned, and you, you know really well in your league, that they handle it very well. Obviously, these instances are always going to occur. It's never going to go away. What are your thoughts on, you know, from what you heard, what do you think that... City I should do to you know make things better. Um, it's it's incredibly sad to see. Um, particularly football is it brings in a crowd that is so diverse. It brings about it, people. There's so much patriotism. There's so much allegiance to these clubs. People live and die by them. Fuck my brother's wedding. There's a derby on. You know it, it, things like it, 
seriously, it's 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 insane. Uh, something that's completely unknown here in this country because soccer is just not as uh, not as popular. But um, I think soccer in general has taken the steps that it has really no choice but to do. They've they've taken small steps in in managing it. It's it's really just small steps to again minimize it and manage it and in the future how do we improve it even more because there's already so much money invested in advertising you know you see it all over the place in commercials and UEFA Champions League and even the banners on the sidelines like you know even the race, uh, respect patch too <laughs> respect patches you see it all over the place um i think particularly in the Serie uh situation i like the sense that they're you know they're looking at foreign leagues and seeing how they handle it. And I think they're echoing it to a certain extent. Um, I look forward to seeing more implementation uh, in the future. How, uh, how long do you think that this, this wave of, you know, say no to racism, the respect movement that UEFA has been implementing for a couple of years, how long do you think we will finally start to see the changes um, in the positive light that they're making all these initiatives that they have, you know, obviously all the, the, the mascots that they have that come out in the field, they see this, you know, it's, it's a big thing. There's huge banners in the stadiums, you know, is it going to take another generation of, of people in the world of players of up and coming, you know, referees and, and fans that's going to finally, you know, abolish this whole, this whole racism thing. You know, do you think it's going to take 20 years? Do you think it's going to take 30 years? Or do you do we really think it's never going to end? I mean, I, I I really believe that it's never going to end, but I think it's just going to get better with time. Like you know, it's it's like trying to eliminate just hatred, just in general. You know, it's it's just a a natural human condition, but there are ways to eliminate it or reduce it. I'm sorry. So it's going to take time. I truly do believe that things are going to get better. Um, as the times go on, a lot of these fans are just either very hateful or they're just like old timers where it's just they're still from from the past and they're not just evolving to modern times. And I, yeah, just, you know, probably 10 years from now, 15 years from now, maybe 20 years from now, um, it's all going to get better. But, you know, it, like anything else, it's just going to take time. Yeah, it's just to finish up. It's obviously incredibly unfortunate that we we still it seems like we still deal with so many of these incidents. But it's to I guess to end on a positive note, it is very encouraging the strides that we've made up to this point, and it's encouraging to know that we're headed in in the right direction. But moving on to the our our main topic for this episode, which was VAR, and its pros and cons and how it's influenced the game up to this point and where it's going in the future um what do you guys what do you guys think about that what do you guys think about how it's being used so far all the controversies that have surrounded um video assistant referee i think Um, it's just a a valuable asset to the game i think so much i think we've all been along uh, we've all been alive long enough to see how much human error has come into place winning and losing games and now that we've eliminated that factor with VAR, giving a chance for referees to correct their mistakes, um, it not only 
gives them a chance to redeem themselves. It also gives the fans a chance to see actually what happened. Um, well, actually, interestingly enough, one of the complaints about VAR has been the fans, the, the, the people in the stands, they are not shown the replays when the VAR review is t- uh Oh, okay. So the ref is just giving the yeah. signal. So that's been one of the big complaints is okay. we at home, we you know, we can see the replays and they show us all the angles, but a lot of the frustration has come from season ticket holders and stuff like that, the people who are actually at attending the games, mm-hmm. you know, every week because they don't get to see the replays in in those situations and it can become very frustrating for them. I'll tell you, those are probably the most stressful moments <laughs> you'll have in a stadium because you have no idea what's going on. It's just waiting there in probably silence while you wait on the referee's decision. And it's the worst feeling that you can have as a fan. But the thing about VAR is that it gives you a a double dose of emotion. Now, it could be double dose of happiness or it could be happiness of a goal that was scored and then called back and it's frustration. You know what I mean? So VAR is driving the game on on an emotional level, which uh, I didn't foresee. But I think the prime example for VAR, what we should use, is the World Cup. And I thought it was implemented almost perfectly in in just about every game. But I do have complaints on how it's used. And I think that's that's what we were going to talk about a little bit in some instances, how it could be used better. So one of the examples that Rui and I were talking about uh, was in the final for the World Cup, Croatia and France, where Antoine Griezmann gets fouled but if you do watch the replay he didn't get fouled and it was actually a dive now in the case of VAR they should have went back and reviewed that even during the free kick and called that goal back just like if there was a foul at midfield leading up to a goal uh, the 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 video assistant referee is looking at that play from the beginning and if there was a foul at midfield that still led to a goal that goal would have been called back so why not have the same rhetoric in, in a case like that, so it can be consistent across the board. Yeah, like, um, so for me personally, to save time, because uh, VAR can become very, very time-consuming, um, to save time, I would just play the free kick. And if it goes in, because the odds of free kicks going in are pretty small compared to, you know, penalty kicks and, and other scoring opportunities, um, I would just play it out as if it's just a normal play on the field before... An instant uh, before a play gets reviewed, um, play it out. If the ball goes in, or if the free kick, um, if the free kick ends up leading to a goal, once the goal is scored, VAR should go in. Um, the referee should be able to review the free kick, the um, the foul that led to the free kick, and see if it actually was a foul. Because we see we we've seen in games in the past where teams have benefited on a very soft challenge or a dive. Uh, from a distance where the referee, it's very, it's very difficult and very far for the referee to to see the actual challenge, and at times he can be wrong, and it's really unfortunate to let up a goal when there wasn't an actual foul given, or there wasn't a true foul. Do you think that VAR should also punish uh, embellishment, diving, acting? Yes, yes, they should. I think we saw an instance in the World Cup with. Um, with uh, Neymar, and I believe it was against, I believe it was the first game against Switzerland, if I can remember correctly, where the referee actually gave a gave penalty, penalty. Kick, 
And then the video assistant referee whispered into his ear. He's like, no, you got to check this. You might want to check this. And the referee checked it. And he was like, nope, no penalty. And he gave Neymar Neymar a card. And yeah, they, they should definitely do that. They should double down on that. And they should double down on other things like little kicks, little dirty uh, gestures or, or hits or whatever it is. I mean, these European players have been trained and accustomed to practicing diving. You see it in games, and I'm a, I'm a huge supporter of you know cracking down on that because it ruins the integrity of the game and... I don't know. I, I personally would like to see them being more reprimanded. That's something that gives you an advantage. It may not be right and it may not be clean, but also diving can give you an advantage. You know, a lot of small teams that can't hang with the bigger teams, you know, they get outpossessed, they get outplayed. Those situations where there's free kicks, you know, those are the uh, opportunities that they look for because there's so little that they get, you know, against teams like that. So diving is a way to get, you know, calls your way, uh, get free kicks, put you in a dangerous position. So while I understand it, I definitely don't agree, uh, you know, with diving in the game. I think there's there's a there's a spot for it where you know avoiding injury, uh, where you know that there's going to be a foul, but you know you avoid that contact, but you still take the foul. So one of the biggest complaints so far from a lot of fans has been whether or not VAR will slow down the game. And not only slow down the game, but there have been some concerns of how it would also kill the atmosphere in the stands. You know, everyone's so hyped up in the moment, and then to shut everything down for five minutes or whatever it is kind of kills either home team advantage or, or whatever the case may be. So do you, or Evan, do you think that VAR slowed the game down? It definitely slows the game down, but in that same token, as much as these players are being urged, you know, play at a high level and have, you know, a great performance, these refs are also put in a spot where they have to make big decisions. So I think giving them that opportunity to go back and and retrace their steps and make the right calls is extremely important to the game, and I don't mind the stoppage time. Um, Because now that I know that fans don't exactly know what's going on when VAR gets called back, it adds fucking drama to the game. People love drama. They don't know what's going on. It's a silent stadium. Everybody's talking to each other. They're calling back the, you know, the play. Uh, whatever. You'll see it when the ref comes back out and makes his decision. Do you think that it impacts the referees in-game and how they make decisions in-game in terms of, for, for example, the, the sideline referees, whether or not um, they, they choose to raise the flag for an offside or anything like that? I know what you're getting at, and I'm sure it definitely gives them a sense of comfort. Uh, They can be a little bit more lax, knowing that they can go back and see it for themselves. Um, Not saying that I don't want them to stay sharp. I want them to obviously make that call firsthand when they see it. But um, allowing that opportunity, I I think, is uh, extremely important to the game. There's 22 players on the field. You're not going to be able to see everything. Yeah, and you don't want to just blow a call either. Um, this is one thing that I really like about VAR, especially, as you mentioned, like the sideline referees. Um, you know, they when it's tight, they're going to keep the flag down. Even when they think it, he may have been offsides, they're going to keep it down just to make sure. Because once you raise that flag, that's it. The play is absolutely done. And even if he was onsides, you cannot review it again because the play is dead right after that so I really like that you know the the referees are a little bit more relaxed 
when they're not as sh- they're not certain on certain calls, they can just you know rely on VAR just to review the whole situation so they get it right. Um, so yeah, we'll continue to see VAR. I think it's good for the game. The only thing that I really don't like about it is just how long it takes at times because the VAR, the group upstairs that's reviewing the 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 play, they're already reviewing it, and then they have to talk to the to the referee. The referee stops the play. He has to talk to the people upstairs, and then he has to walk over or jog over, review the play, jog back, and whatnot. It's it's frustrating. It kills the momentum of the game. It's kind of like an injury, you know, where people fake an injury and it just cuts, you know, it, it cuts the momentum of the game. Um, I don't like that, but sometimes these calls need to be made. For example, you know, the hand of God rule, uh, the hand of God play, right? Imagine if there was VAR. Yep. You know, I thought England, about the same thing. England, England would be in the, would probably be in the World Cup final. And, what happened right after the hand of God goal? Uh, the hand of God goal. Maradona the greatest dribbled. goal. The greatest goal ever scored. Maradona dribbled that whole team. You know that would have probably not happened, and England would have probably went to the World Cup and possibly have won it. Shifted the momentum of the game. Yeah, a bad referee decision. Or how about Ireland and France in 2010 World Cup qualification? Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry handball. Those those certain um, those instances very very costly. So. Yeah, it sucks, but I think it's for the better of the game to make the right calls because there there are fans, there are teams that that deserve to go through, and they suffered from such detrimental calls, miss miss called calls by the referee. Yeah, I th- there's a small price to pay, and it's for those few moments that you have to wait to make sure you get the wrong call because so many times, as we've seen over years, the wrong call has defined a game. You know. Uh, you know, Real Madrid made it to to a Champions League final uh, off of two two offsides. Uh, two offsides calls that weren't made. Had there been VAR, Real Madrid may not have won that that Champions League final. It would have been Bayern Munich and Liverpool. You know, huge huge goals. Frank Lampard when he scored that goal that that went over the line uh, that could have changed that game for England uh, back in was it World Cup '06. And it's just things like that. And then goal technology, goal line technology was implemented. But I think, you know, these jumps in technology get implemented into the game. And then finally they're used at, a, at an efficient rate. But I think VAR is still so young that we're still culminating that system uh, to have referees finally have a good amount of experience to be using it at, at its optimal levels. But I think there's enough time wasting in football. You know, there's there's injuries. There's players that obviously they dive to waste time. Uh, there's other instances where we have fans running onto the field. So there there's not just VAR wasting time, but there's other things. It's going to be part of the game. But it's like there needs to be a trade-off. You know, eliminate these other instances of time wasting and VAR will be the only one and it'll be fine. Yeah, even substitutions too. When players just walk off instead of jogging off, you know, that's just another that's another advantage for for a team to waste time and it also kills the momentum, kills the tempo of the game. So we touched on the referees and how it can influence their decision making during the game. What about the players in terms of either positioning or style of play? How does that impact their in-game decision making? Players definitely, I think now, are adjusting uh, the way that they play. 
uh, to be benefited by VAR. You know, they they provoke contact. You know, there there's more and more uh, abusive play off the ball that you know trying to provoke other other players to retaliate, uh, especially in the box. You know, so. Players are looking for more and more instances that uh, can can provoke a referee to check VAR. Uh, so it's definitely changing the way that that certain teams play, uh, certain players specifically. Paulo Dybala, I didn't want to drop any names, but he's one of them, biggest culprit. Yeah, most that, recently, yeah, most recently this afternoon, and also I think it was earlier in the year too, where he won a penalty. I don't remember who it was against, but he won a penalty where he insinuated. In, initiated the contact just like today though that one was a little bit more blatant than today's but he also won the penalty and it was really really controversial a lot of people had a lot of things to say about it and you know that like you said they're going to change they're going to change once they enter that box they're going to really change and look for an advantage to to make some sort of contact and once that contact's made and you can you can act out a little flop or whatever the referee only needs to see the contact and that's it and they know because before the referee would be like no no no, that's not enough that's not enough i don't see the contact you look like you dove but once you go to var and see the initial contact being made and then the fall afterwards it really changes it and it's very very tricky for um for for defenders so evan how do you feel about VAR being implemented into the EPL next season and do you have any hope that the EPL will be able to iron out some of the the flaws or the little nuances that we've seen in other leagues again are you looking forward to it being implemented into the EPL and how well do you think it'll do I guess ultimately is what I'm trying to ask. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing VAR being implemented into the EPL because if I'm not mistaken they are the first league to implement goal line technology, which has been extremely successful thus far. I think I think a lot of refs have been able to relook what they maybe didn't see and make some crucial calls, some goals that you know didn't go in versus some calls that did go in, and some uh, pretty important games have been decided through that. So this is definitely another opportunity to maximize uh, the, the credibility of the game and making sure calls are getting being made. Premier League has the best refs. You know, it's the best league in the world. Uh, you know, undoubtedly, I think they, they, they bring in the most amount of money. I think they have some of the biggest clubs in the world. And, you know, they have the best talent. So naturally, what's going to happen with the game? It's going to get faster. Uh, there's going to be more uh, more games that are more prone to human error. And VAR is something that's going to, you know, take that game, the English game, to another level. You know, as... You know, referees, they, they, they evolve, they get better. Uh, I've seen calls that are made by English referees that I couldn't even see in the live play and they got it on the money. So I think VAR is going to be a valuable asset to them, you know, just in the progression of that league. And it's really going to, going to correct a lot of, uh, you know, the, uh, inaccuracies of that league. You know, if you go back to the, to the Wolves Man City game where Wolves took points from Man City, there was, you know, a, a couple of bad calls in that game. Had that not happened, Man City would have a bigger gap at the top. But it's things like that that kind of, you know, hold a league back. But I think the English league are head and shoulders above other leagues. But once they implement VAR, I think we'll see a little bit more spread in, in uh, the competition. 
you know. Yeah, I think so too, and um, I totally agree. I think I think they're the the most the best officiated um, league in, in in the world, bar none. Um, you know, it, it's only going to help their. Uh, it's only going to go to the advantage of the referee. It's going to lay off a little bit of pressure from them. You know, there's always going to be calls that they're going to miss. It's it's part of the human error. Not every, the referee cannot see everything, and knowing, especially in the English league. Knowing that the referee has someone that that extra alternative to go back and look at these controversial calls, it's just a relief for them. And I believe in the beginning, just like VAR anywhere else in any league that it's been implemented, it's always there's there's going to be these these mistakes. There's going to be these these bad occurrences where they're not going to like it. There's going to be these they're just going to be mistakes and. Through trial and error, it's just going to get better and better. And in the long run, I think in England, it's going to be the best. It's going to be the most efficient, and it's going to be the best utilized um, form of VAR in all the all the leagues in the world. To be honest with you, I was I'm surprised that the EPL has almost uh, taken this long to implement VAR because I honestly I would have thought that they'd be at the forefront at implementing this type of technology into the game since they've been so progressive in other areas like goal line technology <laughs> because we see it in so many other sports but they're yeah. waiting they're waiting to see what the other leagues are doing wrong because they don't want that to happen in that league yeah that's the most watched league in the world and they don't want to lose viewers they don't want to have any kind of uh feud and frustration among the fans towards the league because they know it's very costly and that's a league that brings in so much revenue it's just endless it's endless and the revenue in that league especially among the clubs is just so crucial and they cannot afford to to lose that and they cannot afford to jeopardize losses in it so you know i think they're playing it well and once it's implemented they'll have like a better outlook and i think it's going to work out well the premier league has bar none the best referees they have the best officiating you know they get it on the money 90 percent of the time but I think what VAR is going to do is, you know, really raise that accuracy level in the calls that they make. And it's going to take that league to the next level. You know, year on year, season on season, that league is bringing in a crazy amount of money between, uh, you know, the top five, you know, Man City, Arsenal, Tottenham just launched, you know, opened up a new stadium. So there's there's billions of dollars at stake. So now what they want is, you know, optimal accuracy in the officiating. And I think that's what's going to happen as the league starts to change, as it starts to evolve even more. It's bringing in the best talents. The game's getting much faster. Uh, so it's, it's only going to bypass that human element where they need that a little bit extra, that tool. And that's what VAR is. And England is just trying to figure out, you know, the best ways to use it and using this this trial run from other leagues and studying that to use it in its best possible way. My next question was going to be, um, is VAR worth keeping? Which I feel like we probably already decided at this point. But if so, how can VAR be improved moving forward? VAR will always be part of the game. I think now that it's it's kind of cemented its 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 path in history, it's always going to be part of the game. It's about how can we improve this. You know, that's that's always been any any instance of developments in the game has always been argued in how can we make this better? You know, UEFA when they when they try to do the silver goal, you know what I mean? Is this a way to improve uh, different competitions that proved to not work? 
So they got rid of that. But now VAR, it's showing that it's improving referees' accuracies and they're they're getting the calls right, which, you know, year year on year, that's going to keep improving. So there's no reason to get rid of that, you know, unless you want to go set the game back a, a decade and, and go back to, you know, the, that same percentage of, of mistakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think its framework is just pretty concrete now. I feel like for so long we've been just trying to encapsulate this traditional game and we've steered away from modernizing it. And now that it's modernized, we're seeing this upgraded efficiency. And I think it's only up from here. Um, getting the calls right is extremely important, especially with the game evolving, getting faster. You know, these top class athletes from all over the world playing at a high rate and, and being urged to put on these these top class performances because their livelihoods are on the line. Um, it, it's only up from here. Now, like one thing that I wanted to really, really put out there as an improvement that VAR should take a really should take a step towards is the second yellow card offense. Those instances cannot be cannot be reviewed by VAR. Only direct red card um, challenges or instances can be can be reviewable. Um, in my opinion, I think that's that's wrong because giving out or dishing out a red card, whether it's direct or just by a second yellow, is so crucial to the game, and it means just as much of a loss to one team and and one and an advantage to the other. Um, one instance that I can that I can remember that occurred this year was uh, Napoli and and Milan. I believe it was in the Coppa Coppa Italia, where Fabian Ruiz was wrongly given a yellow card, where the referee believed that it was a handball, and unfortunately he was already on a yellow, so the referee gave him a yellow, and it could not be reviewed because it was only a yellow card that turned to a red. And it wasn't a direct red. And it wasn't a direct red, so it could not be reviewed. Yep. I think that's a little... I think it's cheap. I think it's a little ridiculous. A little ass backwards in yeah, a sense. Yeah. yeah, that's one thing. And another thing, I don't know how you guys feel about this. Um, so the whole process of VAR, of a situation being reviewed, the the people upstairs in the system, in the group, reviewing the play, talking to the referee... They're already reviewing it, and at that time, they tell the referee, the referee stops play, the the head referee upstairs is telling them the situation, I think you should review this, the conversation can go on for 20, 30, 30 seconds, then the referee calls time, goes goes to the, the camera to review the play, reviews the play, could take another minute or two, come back, and everything. Do you, do you think that the people upstairs should just make the call dire- uh, directly, just whisper to the um, to the referee's ears like they do in college football and tell them like this is this is a foul, like this is a red uh, this is a red card or this is a penalty. Yes, the player was offsides or whatever the situation may be in order to save time and not kill and dissect momentum from the game. I think refereeing is is more subjective, and the the referees in that room, in the VAR room, they don't want the the weight of that decision on them. So obviously, it's still going to be uh, made up by that the main referee. So they they don't want any type of that uh, responsibility from that call. Yeah. So they they could advise on what they could do, but at the end of the day, it's still going to be the referee's call. Yeah, I mean, we we saw in the World Cup that. That there were inconsistencies in calls and similar calls or similar incidents throughout the throughout the entire tournament, where 
where one handball that was similar to the other in another game, one was a one was a penalty kick and then the other one wasn't. And throughout that entire tournament, it was the same person that, that was up in the um, the studio reviewing the calls and whatever. But the referees on the pitch were were obviously different. They were from different nations. They interpret the game differently. But the guy upstairs is still the same. Do you think that having that same consistency of the person upstairs making the calls on the field whenever there is a situation where the referee on the field did not make the correct call or something that he missed? Well, I think as much as you know, we all agree that there needs to be less gray area in the game allowing the main man on the field to do to make a decision is I think crucial for the game because it just adds personality I think having refs that we know are you know more lenient or they're more stern it just adds character to the game and have it's never going to be so black and white it's definitely important for have those guys upstairs but I think um, for the most part you know, the guy on the field should be making the calls. Yeah, I agree. Um, in, in a weird way, I almost feel by by giving those people upstairs the the final say. Um, you should just be I, on the field, <laughs> right? And in, in a in a weird way, again, I th- it almost I feel like it discredits the referee on the field. Um, I feel like if you players, were officiating and you made a call and the guy upstairs told you you were wrong, fuck. <laughs> Well, I gotta call it back. I now. guess from a from a player's perspective, if they're if if there's a questionable call or whatever, and they know that the referee, the guy standing right in front of them, has like no power, they lose respect for that official. And then how often sense. we might see instances of players, you know, you know, we have like the VAR symbol. Oh, how yeah, often are already... we going to see players like signaling people upstairs, <laughs> like you know, screw the ref, like his decision? Let's. Let's make a signal for the guys upstairs to let them see it and let them make a decision. Right. Knowing that those guys upstairs have like final say and they're kind of quote unquote control all the power or whatever, the the players aren't going to look at the the officials on the field the same way. Or or I feel like they might not look at them the same way just because the the, the main official on the field and all those officials on the field no longer have that type of power that uh, that the people in the in the video room might have. Yeah, so back to my original question, I'm only asking you guys because I felt that that could be an improvement towards VAR, you know, just minimizing the time, the the time waste. Well, you don't want to say time wasting, but just like the, the, the consumption of time just to get to the bottom of of the verdict of the call. So, you know, people there are people that get frustrated when they have to wait so long to get to the bottom, the bottom line of the, you know, of, of the call. So... Me personally, I would trust the people upstairs to make the call. And maybe, you know, you guys made an excellent point that, you know, it would just, it could discredit the referee and it could cause um, frustration among the players. But I think um, having people up there and if they're the same group, it just provides consistency um, in those crucial calls where, where sometimes when you have different referees going in and watching the the uh, the replays, one is going to interpret it one way, and then the other is going to interpret it, you know, the other. Like we saw today against Milan and Juventus, the potential handball with Alexandro. Throughout the entire year, 
the majority of the referees called that a penalty. And then today, there were, there was there was no penalty given. So and and that just brings a little bit of frustration afterwards because. If you're a Milan fan, you are expecting a penalty to be given because it's just been consistently called that way. And then this time in such a crucial game. If you're a Milan fan, you should have assumed that you weren't going to get a penalty. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> there's Maybe always, there's always that fear in the back of your mind, but you're always thinking this might be the chance. Now we finally you I know, know they you, get it right. You would think that Milan fans would get used to it by now that they're not going to, they haven't historically got, or it seems like historically they haven't really gotten the benefit of the doubt. No. In and a, I in rejoiced. I rejoiced when Serie A got VAR because I said, you know what? Finally, the playing field is level. But little did we know who's controlling, you know, who, who's in the VAR room controlling these 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 videos and, and helping the referee make a decision. Yeah. Juventini. So it just makes it hard. But going back on on what Rui said, you know, the consistency in calls is what also needs to be implemented. You know, you can have a same type of challenge in one game and one be punished and the other not. Yeah, that's one that's one of my main frustrations. And it's not just in City, and it's not just in the World Cup, it's throughout all the leagues. And we've seen it in the German league where the fans are really it's very unpopular in Germany, VAR, because of just the inconsistency and the time consumption of just getting to the bottom, the bottom of the the bottom line of the calls. So you know, it, it's frustrating, and uh, because the fans have to wait and it kills so much time. But you know, it, it's also frustrating because it provides inconsistencies because you have various interpretations. Do we see VAR in the future maybe having a time restriction? So we're still putting pressure on these officials to make a call within a certain time restraint? Uh, I'm, that's an interesting... That, I, that I mean, could I eliminate never the waiting process. That. I had never thought about that. So Similar to a challenge, similar to no, a that, strategic that's, timeout that's a really in, good point. in and you know football, what? basketball... You know that that's you know that's probably a point that they're they're gonna address. You know, it's a it's my a, my only concern with that would be I, again I think it's an interesting point, but my only concern with that would be because the ref is now on a time restriction to try and make a call that he might be pressured to be, make a call that you know yeah he might not make not, the right call he might be too pressured and too rushed into making a decision and it might end yeah. up it, it could come back to hurt people it could come back to bite you in the ass pretty hard yeah it's just a common complaint among fans um but you know like i said with time they're gonna correct things they're gonna make it better mm-hmm. there's gonna be enhancements and that might be just one of them just having that time um that time restriction and if that time runs out you know, say they have, oh, you have 45 seconds or a minute just to review. If you run out of time, then the play is just continues as is, you know, on the field. Gut feeling, first call. Yeah. Prior first to call. review. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you run yeah. out of time, the original call, just proceed. Well, I think it goes back to, you know, giving the managers the opportunity to challenge VAR. I think that's where you can implement a time restriction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's all interesting ideas and like Rui had just mentioned um, moving forward it's it's only going to become more fine-tuned the the more that it's used the as the seasons go on we're going to see small improvements there in the off season you're going to see a lot of suggestions and you know the board meetings and all that stuff and, and rule changes or whatever so it, it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward I think it's just hard, you know, trying to implement these, you know, different ideas and concepts on how to 
improve it because there needs to be some type of you know consensus. There has to be you know tests to run it to see how well it's going to work, and it's hard to test it at that level because you don't want to sacrifice you know implementing something new that might you know uh, you know change the the result of a match because you know you're you're introducing a new concept that might not necessarily work. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. But uh, again, my only concern with that would definitely be the refs being pressured into into making a call too quickly and they end up making a, the wrong call. But with that being said, we are just about running out of time. Any uh, any last words from you guys? I need to go do my fucking laundry. That yeah. is a woman's yeah. job. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Uh, thank you guys for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure hanging with you guys all night. Um, my stomach's a little hurt from Chipotle. But I think Rui's about to make me an espresso, and I'm going to have my last cannoli before I get <laughs> out of here. Espresso and Aperol Spritz. Oh, yeah. And an Aperol <laughs> Spritz. Just <laughs> you. Perfect. But yeah, perfect. thank you guys. It's been a pleasure, and I uh, really enjoyed myself. Sorry, yeah. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> thank you guys. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed myself. I'll be back again. Absolutely. We enjoyed having you guys here. Uh, we actually really enjoyed not having Joe here. So we look forward to having you guys. You Vendino Merda. What an episode for him to miss because it's been so tough looking at him, you know, after this after his win today oh, and win. our loss and you know, so detrimental to us. So it's good that Joe's away and not here and I'm happy we went along with this episode. Just how, for the how record, greedy Joe, do you I still have to like be. you. We all we still Joe. like Joe. It's we okay. Like it's Joe. okay. I just don't Joe like Joe texted him. the group today. You mad? No. I was just I can't answer that question. Right I don't now. think either of us answered to that. No, I left no, it. Neither one of us. It. Yeah. No, no response. No. How, how greedy do you have to be to be a, a Juventini and a Juventino? And you're 20 points up on the league, pretty much. You know, the, the league is in your hands, and you guys are still bitching about, you know, these calls. Whereas, you know, they should have went Milan's way. What, what difference did it make if you lost that game? You know what I mean? Is it really that important to you? But well, they're so worried about the league. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, the, the league title, so that's that's their prize. That's their main prize. That's right. They don't, they they don't care that. about the Champions League. So that's why they're so they're so anal about they that. They should stuff. just give it to them on match day one. <laughs> they value that more than the Champions League, so Oh yeah. You know, they're trying to rack up points, but when it comes to when it comes to Europe, all choke right, artists. All right. All right enough whatever, enough no making fun of Joe while he's not here. Damn. Sorry, Joe. Sorry, Sorry Joe. Yeah. Love you. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week on the Red Card Report podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, please head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Also, don't forget to hit the follow or subscribe button on any of your favorite podcast apps. You'll get all the latest updates and notifications, so you'll never miss an episode of the show. Lastly, be sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our Instagram and Facebook is at Red Card Report, and our Twitter is at RCR underscore podcast. Thanks again for listening and join us next time for another edition of the Red Card Report.